Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your goodness and your love and all the blessings that have been shared here tonight. And Lord, just for the opportunity to be your servants, to be used of you in so many different ways, and yet still serve the God of heaven. We thank you for your word and what you're doing in our lives and in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And um, I'm not promising that we will cover every verse in the book of Proverbs, but we might before this is all done. Proverbs chapter 1. Just by way of review, the Proverbs are here. The reasons they are given, the things that we will learn are, are right in the first seven verse, six verses there. That we can know wisdom and instruction, that we can perceive the words of understanding, that we can receive the instruction of wisdom, the instruction of justice and judgment and equity. And uh, in many languages and understandings, those words are all uh, highly overlapping, yet God uses different words in our Bible for a purpose because there are different shades and, and different meanings to all of these things. And then we come to verse 7 where we'll pick up tonight. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. Now we read these next three verses here, and this is what we might call the initial charge of the book of Proverbs. He is outlining and has outlined the purpose of the book of Proverbs, the things that you will receive. And the book is addressed as far as we understand. Verse 8 says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father. Now, verse 7, let's go back and pick it up. The fear of the Lord. Now, Brother Franz touched on this a great deal in our Sunday school lesson. And it is a subject that is repeated through the Bible. You will hear it often. The phrase, the fear of the Lord, it would be much better for us to be more afraid of offending God than we are of offending people. Uh, it would get us, uh, in fact, we'll get into the book of Proverbs and there's a proverb in there that says, the fear of man bringeth a snare. When you're afraid of human beings, more so than you are of God. Now, that idea of fear, yes, it is the idea of literally being afraid. That's what it's talking about. But it's talking more about the idea of respect. Uh, as we, uh, Jacob said, I swear, swear by the fear of my father, Isaac. And what this idea is, is the idea of respect, of being literally afraid, not that God is just waiting in heaven to send uh, lightning bolts down upon you. How many of you remember the old Ziggy cartoons in the newspapers and stuff? I mean, all the time there's this big lightning bolt coming down out of heaven and frying little Ziggy. And, uh, of course, he probably deserved it. But 
the simple truth of the matter is the God of the Bible isn't that way. That is the God of man's imagination. And if you ever want to test my statement there, I just want you to think how many times you've said, I just wish something would happen to that person. They cut you off in traffic. They uh, pushed in front of you on the way into the subway. Something really rude. We often think, I just wish something would happen. And what we're doing is we're pretending to be God. If we could have the fear of the Lord, it is the beginning of knowledge. Have you ever thought, well, I'm just telling a white lie. It's not that big of a deal. The reason we think that way is because we don't fear the Lord. We would rather break His commandments than supposedly get ourselves in trouble or to what we think is injure another human being. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. To understand that God is right, that God cannot be wrong, that God is always 100% correct, and the God that rained fire down on Sodom and Gomorrah is still the God of heaven today. You say, why doesn't he do that today? Because his long suffering is giving you and I room to turn from our sins and to follow God. God is not nearly as interested in the judgment of the wicked as he is in the repentance of the righteous. And God is giving you and I time. But look at the uh, again, the Proverbs is part of poetry here, Hebrew poetry. And look at the, uh, the idea that is being bounced against here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. How many times have you heard a young person, I don't need your help, I'll do it on my own. Don't raise your hand if you said that when you were a teenager. But the simple truth of the matter is, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Oh, you just think you're so smart. No, I don't think I'm so smart. I'm listening to the Lord. That is the beginning of knowledge. And when people despise that, this is the way that fools behave. And listen, the man who wrote this book, I often like to call him the wisest fool because he started out right and ended up so, so wrong. In fact, the nation of Israel would reap the benefits of Solomon's mistakes and his wrong leadership all their history until they were moved out of the land of Israel by God's judgment. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
Here, here is the first part that he is giving his son. He said, this is how you're going to react. Either this thing that comes into your life is going to help you in the fear of the Lord, or you're going to look down your nose, you're going to despise it, and whichever way you choose to go is going to have ramifications. Everything you hear from the Bible, uh, I've met many people over the years, Pastor, you're just too involved with that Bible. You believe it too much. Uh, I'm sorry, that's not possible, my friend. Now, there's all kinds of crazies out there that hold a Bible in one hand and a hatchet in the other or whatever you want to put in there. But that didn't come from the Bible, my friend. When we understand the fear of the Lord, you know, when I fear the Lord, am I going to try to do His work? See, so many of these people that have done these crazy things over the years have done so thinking that they are the instrument of God to bring His judgment to the world. God will handle that on His own. Thank you very much. Uh, there's very little that you can help God do. But there's an awful lot that he wants to help you do. Amen? And when we begin to look down our nose and set ourselves up as a judgment, the red flags ought to be going off in your soul. The siren ought to be wailing, danger, danger. Uh, you better be careful. Because even though you're saved, you can play the part of a fool if you're not careful. That's what this book is all about. And so, with that first admonition, you're either going to increase in the fear of the Lord because that is the basis, the foundation, the beginning of all knowledge, or you're going to act like a fool. Now, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. You know, God gave you parents for a reason. And one of the reasons why I do not have the title Father is because there is one Heavenly Father. That is God. He is the one to whom we look for direction. And if God gave you a set of parents that cared about your soul, you better listen. You know, parents aren't right about everything because they're human beings. But if you'll listen, they'll put you in the path that God wants you to be. It's interesting how it says, Hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. You know why it says that? We go to the book of the New Testament. What's... The woman's job, she is supposed to guide the house, is she not? Uh, when those little children are little, she is the one that lays down the law of the land. And uh, that works really well when you're two years old. When you're 22, it doesn't work so well anymore. And what that is talking about is the mother's instruction when you're little. There are certain times 
when you can take advantage of learning. And there are other times when you're going to have to do ten times the labor to learn the same effort. I found that out the hard way. I'd been out of college about 20 years, and I went to the church and and, uh, started taking some master's programs. You know what? I found out it's a whole lot tougher to go to school now than it was way back then. School was always easy to me before. It sure wasn't now. In fact, we got going on the construction and I just had to quit doing the school. There just wasn't enough time to do both. And Lord willing, we're going to finish this fairly soon. And then I got to get back to school and see if I can't uh, graduate the second time. And uh, the simple truth, though, is... When you're little, take the law of your mother. How many stories could we tell? The tears of a mother keeping that wayward son or wayward daughter in the way. I'll tell you, verse 9, They, the instruction of your father, the law of your mother, shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. It is a crown. To grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The only other person that wore chains of gold about his neck, uh, or chains about his neck, as far as I understand, was Daniel. The night he interpreted Belshazzar's dream, uh, Belshazzar took and put a gold chain around his neck and proclaimed he was third in the kingdom. Uh, But what this is talking about are the signs of royalty. You want to be a leader among your peers. Listen to the instruction of your father. Forsake not the law of your mother. And of course, the context here is talking about Rehoboam and how he was raised in the house of the king. And so we have the initial charge. You had better listen to your father's instruction. Forsake not the law of your mother. You know, your mom may have told you some things were wrong just because she didn't want them in her house, not necessarily because they were evil in and of themselves. But if you'll listen to that, it'll do something for you. It will help you live for God. Now we come to verses 10 through 19. And it says here, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. I've called this next section the call of the world. Just as your parents are calling you to obedience of righteousness, guess what? The world is calling you to to sin. They're there. They want to teach you. They want you to be a part with them. How many of you have heard of the term peer pressure? Now, peer pressure is when people try to force you to do things you don't want to do so you can be a part of them. Isn't that what every advertisement on television and radio is all about? They're trying to make you a part of the in crowd. Well, I just praise the Lord. I've always been on the outs with the in crowd. I'd like to be in with God's crowd. If I have to make a choice. Now, let's, let's look here. 
It says, my son, if sinners entice thee. Now, I've never heard of someone showing up and saying, listen, I steal cars for a living. I'm not very good at it. I just got out of jail the third time, but I want you to come and help me. I mean, the world doesn't do it that way. It's always an enticement. Now, let's just read the whole passage here. And all these verses, not necessarily, but uh, in this first chapter, we have several groups of verses that are connected. Not all Proverbs are that way. My son of sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with, with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as a grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path, for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, and they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privily for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. You know, Paul Harvey, when he was alive, had a noon radio talk show about several minutes. And he had uh, a special thing that he did almost a weekly basis, I believe, called Dumb Criminals. And I mean, some of the funniest stories that you have ever heard came from people who were trying to commit crime, and they all thought they were going to get away with it. I mean, as a pastor, I've visited Rikers Island. Fortunately, as a pastor, not as an inmate, amen. Uh, But I've been there to to meet with certain people over the years and try to help as, as I could. You know, one thing I've never heard in dozens of people I've talked to it's always was, you know, if I hadn't have been with my friends, they did it, and they all ran away, and I got caught. You know, I, I knew I was driving a stolen car, but I didn't steal this one. I mean, give me a break. People who choose to go into the world, they're not hurting other people near as much I think we have one of the inmates trying to get out of the nursery there. Um, But it says, listen, when they entice you, don't consent. Don't agree with them. Hey, smoking pot is cool. Don't agree with them. Don't just sit there, well, I'm not going to argue with them. No, it says, consent thou not. Don't allow yourself to agree with them in any way. Because you know what you're going to find out? There's a lot of nice people out there doing a lot of rotten things. You know, this has been one of the biggest recruitment of the sodomite community. Well, don't you know Abraham Lincoln was? No, he was not. 
They want to make all of these people, and they appear as the nicest people in the world until they got you in a position where they can do what they want. Just because somebody's nice doesn't mean they're godly. Someone who asks you to disobey your parents, someone who asks you to break God's word is not your friend. Don't consent to them. Don't give them any opportunity to have influence in your life. Well, I'll just go with my friends. We'll, we'll go to the bar and I'll order a Coke and they'll... No, don't consent with them. Don't do it. Here's what it says. If they say, come with us. Isn't that what they always say? Let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as a grave and whole as those go down into the pit. The first temptation of sin that is offered here, power. We're just going to make them disappear. Look at what we can do. Nobody's going to stop us. Talk to our politicians. Talk to our military people who have been involved in this filthy foolishness. Verse 13, the second temptation. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. You know what? There's a statement that says, crime doesn't pay. Oh, wait a minute. That's not true. Talk to John Gotti. Now, he didn't think it paid very well while he was dying of throat cancer in a federal prison in Springfield, Missouri. But his entire life before he went to prison, he thought it paid pretty well. In fact, they called him what? The da- wasn't he the Dapper Don? Does anybody remember that? And um, there's always a promise. Bernie Madoff, invest with me and I'll give you a huge return. Here, here is the lie of the world. It's always out there. You could make lots of money if you'll just sell a little dope on the side. Hey, listen. Don't do it. Because here's the next step. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. Now, wait a minute. You just said we're going to fill our houses with spoil and we're going to have great riches and now you want me to give you everything that I have right now. Isn't that the way the devil always works? You've got to stop and think about this stuff. It always costs you to sin. It always costs you to join with the sinners. You go out drinking with your buddies. Who's paying the bill? Well, if you're in the group, let me tell you who's paying the bill. It's going to be you get stuck with it. We shall find all precious substance cast in thy lot among us. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. You don't even walk down the block with these people. 
Well, they're going the same place I am. Go a different way. Don't walk with them because their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Now look at this verse 17. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. Now here's a proverb stuck in the middle of this instruction. Now, if you've ever tried to snare birds, the thing you've got to do is you've got to camouflage the net so they can't see it. It says, surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird and they, it's connected to the next verse, lay wait for their own blood, they lurk privily for their own lives. Have you ever seen anybody that thought they really knew what they were doing and they were going to do wrong? And you saw right through it and said, how could you be so stupid as to involve yourself in this kind of behavior? This is what it's taught. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. Anyone that has any sense can see right through what these people are doing. It doesn't take... Sherlock Holmes to figure out you're some dope trying to take advantage of another human being. You know what I'm saying? How many times have you say, you know what? I think that guy's trying to roll me over. I think he's trying to do something to me. I'm just going to do something a little different. I remember one time I was in a bus station in a major metropolitan area. It wasn't New York City. Fortunately, my brother was there. He's the one that can bench press 450 pounds. And he said, hey, Pete, look here. And sure enough, there was a guy standing at the end of the row looking at us. And pretty soon there was another one standing over here. He said, I think we're in trouble. He said, well, let's just put the suitcases in the middle and stand back to back. And so we did that. Pretty soon this one walked out and pretty soon that one walked out. <laughs> They were outnumbered two to three. Uh, that's not fair odds. They thought we had no idea what was going on. But you know what? What they were really doing is just adding to their list of things they're going to get caught for someday. You know what? God's keeping track. You think you're getting away with it? You think somebody doesn't know that you've taken advantage of them? Let me tell you something. They know. They just don't feel like bringing it to your attention. But God's keeping track of it. It says they lurk privily for their own lives. They're just putting things on their sheet that when they stand before the judge, if it's not a judge here on earth, the judge of all the earth, of the heavens and the earth, he is going to... Say, hey, I remember when you did this, when you did that, when you did this, when you did that, when you did this. It says, so are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. You are going to destroy yourself. God wasn't kidding when he said, sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You see, the world is out there. And some of you in your younger years answered the call to the world. But it didn't take long to figure out how empty 
and how foolish it was. You see, Solomon is telling his son, listen, I'm giving you instruction. Your mother's laid down the law. You know what it is to obey. You can choose to walk in the direction that has been set for you, or you can allow yourself to be enticed by the world. But let me tell you what happens if you're enticed by the world. This is where you're going to end up. And then the last part of this psalm, uh, proverb here, the last part of chapter 1, verses 20 through 33, is the first cry, the first call of wisdom. Now, wisdom is going to talk many times in the book of Proverbs. In fact, if you are a literary person, this is called personification. This is where you take an ideal or something that does not have life and treat it as if it were a person. In fact, when we get over to chapter 8 of the book of Proverbs, uh, wisdom is going to give us quite a monologue, a big, long speech from wisdom. And many people have said, well, that's actually Jesus speaking. And yet I, I believe that wisdom is given a personality here. Wisdom is given a persona, if you would, as if wisdom were a person standing here on the platform. And let's just read through this passage. It says, Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse. In the openings of the gate. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And scorners, and thus scorners delight in their scorning. And fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. You say, well, how does wisdom utter her voice in the streets? How, how is she in the chief place of concourse? In the openings of the gates where the government is? Where you have to pass through. How in the world is wisdom in all of those places? That's pretty easy, isn't it? Because in all of those places is also heard the word of the fool, is it not? I mean, how many foolish people have we heard about in the news in the last few weeks? Just foolish people doing things. God is there giving us a chance by saying, don't be like General Petraeus. Don't be like these other people. How in the world do you think you're going to write 20,000 emails and not get caught? I don't even have time to write 20,000 emails. That's insanity. Yet, wisdom is everywhere you go. You walk down the street and you can see a house that's well kept and right next to it, one that's fallen apart. Wisdom is there. You know, you can't only do things on special occasions. It's that daily, daily work that keeps things going, isn't it? And so wisdom is there, 
And wisdom is saying to us, how long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? Uh, I think it was, oh, I'm going to forget the year of the election. But uh, there was a candidate running for president of the United States on the know-nothing ticket. Because every time you met somebody from that party, they'd say, well, what does your party stand for? He says, I don't know a thing. And so they begin, they were running on a secret platform, a hidden agenda, and they called them the know-nothings. Fortunately, the know-nothings lost. That was good for our country. But have you ever met somebody that was just stupid and loved it? I mean, that's what a simple person is. I remember we had a fellow break down out here and changing a tire. And I looked out there and I saw what was going on. I'm going, oh my goodness. Which is a very short subject in itself. But I, I just looking and going, this is going to be bad. And so I figured, well, I'll let it go for a little bit and see if they can get it straightened out. Went out there after about a half an hour. Can I help you? No, I got it all taken care of on my own. (laughs) Okay, I'm going back inside. I'm staying away from you. I think he knocked the car off the jack and several other things. And I mean, it was just... How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? What's the next one? The scorners. These are the hardest people to talk to when you pass out tracts on the street. All the problems in the world are about religion. Well, uh, there's some truth in that statement, but it's false religion. The answer is the true religion. You know, you can't deal with the scorner. They just love being mad about something. You ever met anybody like that? And fools hate knowledge. It says, turn you at my reproof. Now the word reproof means blame expressed to the face. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Wisdom is available. James chapter 1. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men freely and upbraideth not. Wisdom is there. Look at verse 24. Because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have said it not to all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity and mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. I could tell you stories from now until tomorrow morning of people who knocked on the doors of this church. Pastor, I'm in trouble. I need help. Well, I know exactly what's going on. You don't have enough money to buy the dope that your body's craving for. 
and say, well, um, what, can, what can I do? Well, well I, I need $50 to pay my rent. Say, so, well, our, our church, we try to help people. We do. But we don't give out cash. You know why? I said, now explain this if they'll listen. I said, we could sell this building and give the money away next week and there'd be nothing left. I said, that's not what God's called us to do. He's called us to help people that are in need. Now, if you're hungry, I'll go get you some food. But I'm going to talk to you about the gospel while you eat. Uh, You know what I found out? There's an awful lot of people that desperately need help, but they don't want that kind of help. You know why? Because they've already chosen to refuse the fear of the Lord. They have already set themselves on a path. And I've been accused, yeah, you just sit there in your seat and, and look at me. No, I'll, I'll tell you who's laughing at you. It's not me. I have pity in my soul for you. I, I wish I could do something to help you. But it's wisdom that's laughing at you. It's wisdom that is mocking you. Because you've chosen to set it naught. Do you remember the time you said, oh, all those people, they think they're so smart. Those hooty tooty religious people, whatever they want to put in there. And I'm not going to use the words that they would use. But I've been called a fool for following Christ. By people who could not even feed and dress themselves. Unless they were locked in a psych ward. Let me tell you something. I'm not laughing, but wisdom sure is. And God is not just sitting there going, oh my, you hurt so much, I wish I could help you. When you refuse the call, you see, nobody ends up in the gutter in 24 hours. It takes a while to get there. You don't end up on the shipwrecked rocks and the shores of life by one bad decision. It's a lot of them. And every point you made, God gave you an opportunity to turn around. This is what Solomon is writing to his son. It says, For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. You want to see a fool destroyed? Let him be successful for a little bit. And it will tear him apart. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. If you would just take Proverbs chapter 1, if that was the only scripture you had, other than how to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, you know what? You'd do pretty well. Would you not? Fortunately, God's given us a whole lot more than just Proverbs chapter 1. But we've got to understand, the world is going to entice us. Don't go there. 
Wisdom is calling. You'll notice that wisdom doesn't entice you. Wisdom is a choice. You must choose to be obedient. Can I give you an example of choosing to be obedient? That's being in church on Sunday night. That's a good choice. That's listening to wisdom. Because that's where God wants you to be. Tomorrow you go to work. And guess what? You may be in the uh, uh, room there with several of your co-workers. And all of a sudden somebody decides to start telling a dirty joke. Or talk about some profane, filthy movie they watched. Wisdom is calling. Don't walk in the way with them. Don't consent. Just, just get out of there. Well, they'll think I'm stuck up. Well, they might for a little while. But when they're in trouble, guess who they're coming to? Because you've shown that you have wisdom and they don't. Hopefully it won't be too late to guide them in the way. I had a man, homeless man come and we gave him food and actually gave him a coat and several other things. And yeah, you just don't know what it is, preacher. I said, listen to me. I said, I don't know what it is. Because I've made some godly decisions in my life. I'm telling you, you know what it is because you have chosen to disobey God. Now tell me the truth. Well, yeah, you're right, preacher. Said, so don't ride on me for living in a nice house when you're out on the street because you've chosen to destroy your life. Said, we'll do everything we can to help you, but you got to show up. Well, didn't want that kind of handout. Say, you're mean. No. If you don't understand the difference between listening to the world and having the fear of the Lord, there's nothing you can do. The hardest thing in the world is watching people make choices that you know is going to destroy their lives. And you can't stop them because you're not God. God's given us a free will. As you walk through life tomorrow, pray. God, let me hear wisdom calling. Let me receive the reproof and the rebuke that wisdom gives. Let me tell you, God will open your eyes to an entirely new universe that you didn't even know existed. And you will hear the voice of wisdom. And when the storms of this life come, listen, you'll be quiet from fear of evil. Why? Because you're safe within the walls of wisdom. Incredible passage here. And we just scratch, we could spend a week on each individual verse. But then we wouldn't finish the book of Proverbs until who knows when. But uh, I challenge you, as you read, December 1st is coming up. Read through the Proverbs. Keep your Bible reading schedule. And listen as wisdom cries. Amen? Let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night, and Lord, we just thank you for the book of Proverbs, and we ask that you would help us to take the time that is necessary to study this and to put these verses within our heart and in our soul. Lord, I pray that as a church we would hear wisdom cry, that we would be willing to accept the reproof, the rebuke that wisdom offers us, and that we would turn our ways to be obedient to the cry of wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we'll give you just a moment. If you'd like to pray, the altar is open. If you want to just pray at your seat, you may. And then we'll get into our prayer time tonight.